We meet today in Psalm chapter 129 to 134. This study will conclude our study in the cluster of the Psalms that we have called Songs of Our Saints. They finish with Psalm 134. Psalm 129 is talking about bend but not consumed. In this psalm, the pilgrim actually views his youth and the hand of God upon him. It is also a picture of Israel bend but not consumed. The burning bush seen by Moses in the emblem is the emblem of the miraculous preservation of God's people. And what a picture that we have here. God has delivered the pilgrims and they are in Jerusalem to worship. They reflect, they review their youth and how God has been working in their lives. Listen to him. Many time have they afflicted me from my youth. May Israel now say, Many time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. Psalm 129 verse 1 to verse 2. Israel was not destroyed because God had preserved them. And that is the realization of the pilgrim here. Psalm 129 verse 8. Neither do they which go by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Now, the blessing of the Lord be upon you should be incorporated not only into the home, but also into the business life today. A man's religion and his right relationship with God should be an integral part of both his home life and his business life. Boaz was a businessman. When he spoke to his workers, he said to them, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord be with you. That is from Ruth chapter 2 verse 4. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord be with you. And they also answered, The Lord be with you. Both those who are employers and those who are employees, they must be able to speak these words, The Lord be with you. Why are we in such a strange world? Well, the ideal is shown for us here in this psalm. And th that must be our aspiration for this time and even the time to come. Psalm 130 is closely linked to the preceding psalm, 129. It has been called a Pauline psalm because it speaks of that which has to do with the mercy of God. God has delivered man out of the depths of sin and death. And he has done it, not on the basis of man's work. On a certain occasion, Martin Luther was asked, What were the best psalms? He answered by saying, Salmi Pauline, the Pauline psalms. Now, when they wanted to know what the Pauline psalms were, he replied, The 32nd, the 51st, and the 130th and the 143rd, he was talking about these psalms. He explained that these psalms teach us that the forgiveness of sin is vouchsafed to all who believe without having any works of the law to offer. 
Therefore, they are Pauline Psalms. That's where we get this idea of calling them the Pauline Psalms. By reading through them, you can simply come to know God through faith and asking for forgiveness. And that is done apart from works. Psalm 130 has been inscribed de profundis. Now, that means out of the depth. Here is Psalm 130, verse 1 to verse 3. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. If you, Lord, should mark my, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Well, thank God that he is not going to judge me or judge us according to our iniquities. If God judged us that way, we would all be lost. It is only because of his mercy that he saves us. Here is Psalm 130, verse 4 to verse 6. But there is forgiveness with you, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. You see, the grace that saves us as Gentiles will also save the nation Israel. The day is coming when Israel's cry out of the depths will be answered. Christ will return to Zion and will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. We read in Romans chapter 11 verse 26 to verse 28, And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them, when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of their fathers. Now, my friend, during the great tribulation, Israel will wait for the Lord to deliver them more than the watchers of the morning. You and I also are to wait for the rising of the bright and morning sun, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he comes, the sun of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. We move on now to Psalm 131. This is a childlike faith and simplicity of the pilgrim. And this psalm is another pilgrim psalm, a brief but a very precious one. Notice that it is written by David. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. <laughs> now, do you remember Mikhail, who was David's wife and Saul's daughter? She despised David and mocked him because of the way he took the ark into the tabernacle. And the story is in Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 12 to verse 23. David told his wife that he would probably be even more contemptible in her eyes because he was going to humble himself even more and get down in the dust before his God. Remember, he was king. Now we need to get down before our God today. When was the last time you got down on your knees, on all four before God? Very few of us practice that. 
It is the best exercise there is, my friend. It is certainly will help you spiritually and it will help you physically to kneel and call upon the Lord. So the psalmist says, Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a wind child with his mother, like a wind child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. Now, the figure here of a wind child is very interesting, my friend. Gablin makes a comment. As the wind child no longer cries and frits and longs for the mother's breast, but rests still and is contented because the child knows it is its mother, so the soul is wind from all discontentment, ambitiousness and self-seeking or any kind of selfishness, waiting on the Lord, finding rest and contentment only in him. That figure of speech is amazing, my friend. You see, sometimes we just go to our parents, do we go to our mothers and use the mother as a milk bag, the one who is feeding us. But a wind child who is no longer going to the mother for milk will go to the mother because the mother is where the kid came from, is where security is, where comfort is, is where direction is. My friend, Quit simply going to the Lord because you are asking for provision and you have a shopping list saying, Lord, give me this, give me this, give me this. Even when God is not giving you anything, just go to him and like a wind child. Psalm 132 is a messianic psalm that looks forward to the time Christ will be king in Jerusalem. This is another Pilgrim Psalm that speaks of a rest on the promises of God and a faith that becomes all important. There has always been a question about the authorship of this psalm. Well, David is mentioned four times, but I do not believe he wrote it. Peron says, It is perfectly natural that Solomon should write a song for such an occasion speaking of the earlier efforts made by his father to prepare a habitation for Jehovah. Well, it is Peron's belief that this psalm was composed by King Solomon when the Ark of the Covenant was removed out of the tent of habitation that David had prepared for it in Jerusalem and was now being moved into the temple that Solomon had built. This idea seems to fit in better with the contents of this psalm. And the only mention we have of this ark in the psalms is here. Now we need to note, however, that the son of David in this psalm is not Solomon, but the greater son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ. With this as a background, let us look at this psalm. Now that pilgrims are there in Jerusalem, they have come to the temple where the mercy city is above the ark, the place where they can approach God. Here is Psalm 132, verse 1 to verse 5. Lord, remember David and all his afflictions, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, 
Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house, or go up to the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes, or slumber to my eyelids, until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Now you will recall that in Second Samuel chapter 7, it was in David's heart to build God a house. You can see from this message that this was the overwhelming ambition of his life, of his heart. His one great pulsating thought was that he might build a temple for the ark of the Lord, for he could not stand it himself in a better house while the house of the Lord was in a tent. And when the rain would come, his heart always said, What of the ark of the Lord? Psalm 132 verse 8 Arise, O Lord, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. This evidently was the song that they sang when the ark was moved into the temple that Solomon had built, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple as it had done the tabernacle of old. Psalm 132 verse 11 says, The Lord has sworn in truth to David, he will not turn from it. I will set upon your throne the fruit of your body. This now is a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we be sure of this? Yes, because David's children did not measure up to the description of the one who one day would sit upon the throne of David. And in the books of Kings and Chronicles, you follow the line of David and you will see one sinner after another sitting on the throne. Very few were good kings and only five of them saw revival come to the nation. So the description fits Jesus Christ. If your sons will keep my covenant and my testimony, which I shall teach them, their sons shall also sit upon your throne forever. But you see, David's children did not keep God's covenant and testimony. If David's seed had remained obedient, David's throne would not have been vacated between the fall of Jerusalem and the coming of the Messiah. Nevertheless, the Davidic covenant finds its ultimate fulfillment in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jeremiah 33 verse 14 to 21 is a prophetic message about that. Luke chapter 1 verse 32 and verse 33 confirms it. Now the New Testament speaks about this when it opens. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew 1 verse 1. So the Lord Jesus is the son of David that the psalmist is writing about. Here is Psalm 132, verse 13 to verse 15. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. This prophecy is not fulfilled in Jerusalem today. It is apparent that this is a psalm that the pilgrims will sing as they come to Jerusalem and to the temple where God promised he would meet with his people. So this is still future. 
Psalm 133 is a rejoicing psalm calling us to rejoice in the fellowship of the believers. This psalm is a song of ascents of David. It is short, but it is a beautiful gem. It has been called a psalm of brotherhood, and it certainly is a psalm of fellowship. Not only did this pilgrim come to Jerusalem with his wife and children, but he also came with his friends. They are having a wonderful time of fellowship together. Remember that these pilgrims came from all over the then known world, and they had been suffering persecution among unbelievers. What a joyful experience it is for them to be with their own people who are worshipping God with them. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now the word brethren here denotes the members of the larger family of Israel. You see, national unity is likened to the precious and the sacred anointing oil used in the consecration of the high priest. Exodus 29 verse 7, Leviticus 8 verse 12. But also national unity is likened to the refreshing and life-giving Jew known for its abundance on the slopes of Mount Hermon. Psalm 89 verse 12 also talks about it. So this exhortation to unity would of course be applicable to believers today. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3 talks of how we need to maintain the unity of the body of Christ. As believers, we are told to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Believers are one in Christ. My friend, let's avoid being in a little exclusive clique, exclusive little group. Unfortunately, we have a lot of those groups in our churches today. Many people would rather be big fish in little ponds than little fish in big ponds. You see, what we need is to be little fish in big ponds where we fellowship together. How much better it is for all believers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edges of his garments. You see, this verse refers to the time that Aaron was anointed high priest. It also speaks of the priesthood of the Lord Jesus. This precious ointment was put on the priest to indicate that he was a priest unto God. We see that this is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only is he king, he is also our high priest. It is said of him in Psalm 45 verse 7 that he is anointed with the oil of gladness above his companions. In Ezekiel 39 verse 29 we read, Neither will I hide my face any more from them, for I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, says the Lord God. Ezekiel speaks of a future day, and like that ointment that ran down on Aaron, so will God pour out his spirit. This is the meaning, by the way, of Joel's prophecy of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon Israel of a coming day which was not fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. However, in our, in our day, 
we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, which puts us into the body of believers. And Christ is our great high priest. Since this is true, we should attempt to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of love. The psalmist concludes by saying that for brethren to dwell together in unity is, it is like the Jew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commands the blessing, life forevermore. This psalm is a beautiful little gem. When people are together, the Lord commands his blessings, even life everlasting. Psalm 134 is the pilgrim's final song of praise. This is the final psalm in the pilgrim's progress, if you like. We have arrived, and in this psalm, the pilgrim stands in the temple, and he lifts his voice in praise with the multitude. This is the grand amen. A threefold amen is given. Behold, bless the Lord, O you servants of the Lord, who by night stand in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Again, I remind you that this pilgrim had come from a place where he was under suspicion. People criticized him, they maligned him, they lied against him. His neighbor was not good to him. But now he has arrived in Jerusalem. He is standing in the sanctuary of the Lord, lifting up his hands and blessing the Lord. He is blessing his God. The Lord who made the heaven and earth bless you from Zion. Psalm 134 verse 3. You see the pilgrim blesses God and in turn he is looking for the blessing of God upon his life. This is a great worship psalm and one that should be incorporated into our worship. Actually, we need some informality sometimes in our services and the freedom to express ourselves and worship God. Oh, my friend, let's not be stiff and stilted when we worship our God. Let's praise him from our hearts. This is the fitting benediction to the 15 songs of ascents to the 15 pilgrim psalms when it says behold bless the lord all you servants of the lord who by night stand in the house of the lord lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the lord the lord who made heaven and earth bless you from zion you can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two six four one four four seven five. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code two seven followed by 7264144475 from within south africa it's 0726414475